0: And the children of Israel did secretly those things that were not right against the Lord their God, and they built them high places in all their cities, from the tower of the watchman to the fenced city, and wrought wicked things to provoke the Lord to anger. Therefore the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them out of his sight. There was none left but the tribe of Judah only. Welcome to Bible 365, episode 115, Pictures from the Past. I'm Mayor Soloveitchik. What if one could see pictures from our people's past? What if we could suddenly look upon a scene that occurred in the story of biblical Israel thousands of years ago? It is in London that we can look upon one of the most terrible moments in our history and experience something that is, I believe, simultaneously saddening and also a source of inspiration. The next king to reign in northern Israel is Yehu's grandson, Yeravam II. Like Yeravam I, this king is also wicked, but he led a successful military campaign against Israel's enemies, another sign of the providential grace of God, when Israel does not deserve that protection. Yeravam II is followed by his son Zachariah, who, as predicted, is the fourth and last king to reign from Yehu's dynasty. 2 Kings chapter 15, verse 8. In the 30 and 8th year of Azariah, king of Yehuda, did Zachariah the son of Yeravam reign over Israel in Samaria six months. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, as his fathers had done. He departed not from the sins of Yeravim, the son of Nevat, who made Israel to sin. And Shalom, the son of Yavish, conspired against him, and smote him before the people, and slew him, and reigned in his stead. And the rest of the acts of Zachariah, behold, they are written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel. This was the word of the Lord, which he spoke unto Jehu, saying, Thy sons shall sit on the throne of Israel unto the fourth generation. And so it came to pass. With the end of Yehu's dynasty at the hands of Shalom, what follows is terrible king after terrible king. Shalom reigns for but a month and is overthrown and followed by a man named Menachem, who reigns for ten years and is succeeded by his son Pekachiah, who two years later is himself overthrown by Pekach, son of Rimal yahu At this point, terrible tragedy befalls Israel. Before the exile from Jerusalem at the hands of Babylonia, before the defeat by Rome, before the expulsion of Jews from England in 1290, from Spain in 1492, there was the exile of the ten tribes. Now, at this point in the Bible, several generations after Yehu, Assyria rules over many other nations with an iron fist. It is led by Tiglath-Pileser, who comes to the throne in the 740s BCE. Pekach, king of Israel, joins Damascus in an attempted revolt. These rulers ask the southern kingdom of Judah to join them but its king Jehoahaz refuses and instead becomes a vassal of Assyria this too can be seen in the british museum because its collection features the annals of tiglath-pileser which describe the tribute paid by quote, "jehoahaz of judah" end quote. the northern kingdom of israel fights assyria without their southern brethren and assyria's response under tiglath-pileser is swift and harsh assyria conquers much of israel and deports many of its residents into exile Thus we are informed in chapter fifteen, verse twenty seven. In the second and fiftieth year of Azariah, King of Judah, Pekach the son of Ramalia, began to reign over Israel and Samaria and reigned twenty years, and he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. He departed not from the sins of Yeravim the son of Nevat who made Israel to sin. In the days of Pekah, King of Israel came Tiglath-Pileser, King of Assyria, and took Eun and Avalbetmacha, and Yanoach, and Kedesh and Chatzor, and Gilead and the Galilee all the lands of Naphtali, and carry them captive to Assyria. And ladies and gentlemen, in the British Museum, we are afforded the opportunity to see, taken from the walls of Tiglat-Pileser in Nimrod, two important images. One is of the Assyrian emperor himself. We can see what he looked like. This is interesting, but it is not the only image we have of a Middle Eastern tyrant. But the second image is extraordinary. We can see the beginning of the ten northern tribes going into exile. We know who they are because of how they are dressed. These Israelites are wearing the same distinctive clothing and sporting the same sort of beards as that of the image of Yehu that we saw and discussed previously, which appeared on the obelisk of Shalmaneser. III. To so look upon this picture of the exile of the Israelites is to travel through time and re-experience history in a unique way. We have eyewitness accounts, but no images, of the later Jewish expulsion from Jerusalem or from Spain. But in London, we do have an image of Israel going into exile at the hands of Assyria. We see it with our own eyes. King Pekach is overthrown by northern Israel's final king. Verse 30. And Hoshea the son of Elam made a conspiracy against Pekach the son of Ramalia, and slew him, and reigned in his stead in the twentieth year of Yotam the son of Uziah. Thus, the exile that began with Tiglat-Pileser continues now, with his two successors, Shalmaneser V and Sargon II. One of the most devastating moments in the history of God's chosen people is described in chapter 17, verses 7 through 11 and 18 through 23. In the ninth year of Hosea, the king of Assyria took Samaria and carried Israel away into Assyria and placed them in Chalach and Chavor by the river of Gozan and in the cities of Media. For so it was that the children of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God who had brought them up out of the land of Egypt, from under the hand of Pharaoh king of Egypt, and had feared other gods, and walked in the statutes of the pagan, whom the Lord cast out from before the children of Israel and of the kings of Israel which they had made. And the children of Israel did secretly those things that were not right against the Lord their God, and they built them high places in all their cities, from the tower of the watchman to the fenced city. And they set themselves up images and groves in every high hill and under every green tree. And they burnt there incense in all the high places, as did the pagan whom the Lord carried away before them, and wrought wicked things to provoke the Lord to anger. Therefore the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them out of his sight. There was none left but the tribe of Judah only. Also Judah kept not the commandments of the Lord their God, but walked in the statutes of Israel which they made. And the Lord rejected all the seed of Israel and afflicted them, and delivered them into the hand of spoilers, until he had cast them out of his sight. For he rent Israel from the house of David, And they made Yeravim the son of Nevat king. And Yeravim drove Israel from following the Lord and made them sin a great sin. For the children of Israel walked in all the sins of Yeravim which he did. They departed not from them, until the Lord removed Israel out of his sight, as he had said by all his servants the prophets. So was Israel carried away out of their own land to Assyria unto this day. Under King Sargon, the awful evil genius of the Assyrian Empire was first applied. As Greece and Rome would later learn, the problem with exerting one's power over other peoples, and especially over the Jews, is that they can revolt. To this possibility, the Assyrians responded by proactively eradicating the national identities of the peoples under their sway. When a country was conquered by them, its inhabitants were taken to another land and forcibly assimilated. In the face of this, other biblical peoples, including Moab, effectively disappear forever. The Israelites of the Northern Kingdom, Are thus deported into Assyria and then to other countries. Thanks to the collection of the British Museum, we can see the exile through our brethren's eyes. And again, in interpreting all of these artifacts from the British Museum, I'm grateful to Professors Fant and Reddish and their excellent book. The gates of Sargon's capital were guarded by enormous stone mythical creatures known as Lamassu, oxen with human heads, staggering sculptural achievements. Today, these Lamassu guard the doors of the Assyrian exhibit in the museum. And as you walk past them, you realize that you are seeing what the exiles of the northern tribes would have seen as they were taken so far from home, so far from their land. As the Bible describes, the ten tribes are lost, assimilated, lose their Israelite identity. So devastating a moment is this in Jewish memory, that legends begin to grow about a secret location where these tribes were hiding, forever protected, by a Sabbath-observant river known as the Sambation, which ravages and rages for six days a week. Throughout Jewish history, Jewish statesmen, philosophers, and writers, like Menashe ben Israel, would seek to identify these long lost Israelites. With the northern kingdom gone, the Assyrian threat now turns to the southern kingdom of Judah. If you wish to have a sense of the might of the monarchs of Assyria, we can look to an incredible archaeological discovery just recently reported describing the attack of Assyria on the Judean city of Lachish. The Times of Israel reports Israeli and American archaeologists say, they have managed to reconstruct how the Assyrian army may have built a massive ramp to breach the Judean city of Lachish in 701 BCE, deepening their understanding of the Iron Age power's military prowess as it conquered almost the entire kingdom of Judah. Using a wide variety of sources and data, the study concluded that the Assyrians led by King Sancherev likely collected three million stones from a quarry near the hilltop city overlooking the Judean plain. In an exceptionally orderly process, the army constructed a huge siege ramp that allowed battering ramps to be transported up to the city's defenses, breaching the walls and resulting in the city's complete destruction. The siege ramp in Lachish is the biggest surviving siege ramp in the Near East and the only surviving Assyrian siege ramp, end quote. And then the article later adds that, quote, the stones would have been transported along human chains, passed from man to man by hand, with four such human chains working in parallel, each working round-the-clock shifts, the researchers calculated that about 160,000 stones were moved and placed each day, possibly completing the construction in just 25 days, end quote. This is the empire whose might lost us 10 out of 12 tribes. This is the empire that now sets the southern kingdom of Judah in its sights. Our podcast today ends on a rear cliffhanger. The northern kingdom has been lost, its Israelites assimilated, What will happen to Judah? Of course, the very fact that I speak to you today as a Jew, an adherent of the faith of biblical Israel, hints to us that something unexpected must have happened thousands of years ago in order to ensure the endurance of the chosen people. And this itself hints to us why coming to the British Museum, which I have done several times, and seeing an image of the ten tribes being led into exile, is actually an incredibly meaningful moment, not only intellectually but also religiously. Of course, the image is also deeply saddening. It embodies defeat, a terrible moment in our history. Why, then, am I so inspired? Why do I love the collection of the British Museum so much? The answer starts with what occurred when I took several of my students from Yeshiva University to the British Museum. We stood looking at a relief depicting a scene of an Assyrian assault on God's people, and two visitors to the museum, a father and a son, saw us, and the father said to his son something like, Wow, they're looking at images of Jews, and they're Jews. Nothing makes the case for the miracle of Jewish history more than standing as a Jew and seeing ancient images from empires long gone of assaults on a then tiny and weak people that still lives today. The collection of the British Museum serves as a foundation of my faith. This is Mayor Soloveitchik, looking forward to learning together tomorrow, signing off.